Hey everybody, welcome back to Pack Your Mics, the Top Chef podcast from the creators of Read It and Weep. Today, we are back talking to about Season 18, Episode 6 of Top Chef, titled Stumptown USA. In mm. case you were curious or confused about all of the other countries and their stump towns, it's such a catchy nickname that makes everyone want to visit. You can see why a lot of people would adapt it. Um, <laughs> Logging happened here in the past. <laughs> yeah. We ruined this before we lived here. <laughs> It's uh, Portland, on the other hand, is a very popular name, uh, although Portland, Oregon is the biggest of the like thousand Portlands around the world. So <laughs> take that, other Portlands. Take that, Portland yeah. cement. Anyway, um, I'm Alex, joining me in our Los Angeles apartment. It's Megan. Hello. Hey, Megan. Also joining us uh, from Brooklyn, New York, it's Chris. Hey, hey. Happy Mother's Day, Chris. Thank you. And uh, rounding out our panel in Los Angeles, it's new Sarah and Kyle. Hey guys. Hello. Good morning. This is not for visual con- or for your audio consumption. You can't really tell, but just you know, the whole time, just picture that Sarah and Kyle have the biggest donut you've ever seen. Like a like face-sized donut. His, <laughs> yeah, it's the size of a face. <laughs> and, yeah, like a, not a kid's face, an adult face, a whole face. Like a a, a person with like a weird round face, like yeah. an adult, you, a, a coworker you'd make fun of. Behind their back because of their big round face. And then they yeah. s- fell asleep. Uh, instead of a pillow, it was sprinkles. Yeah. And then they just popped back up and were like, hey, here's my weird round face. Anyway, they're eating that face. So before we start the podcast today, um, I have a question for you guys, which is, do you remember the first thing you ever cooked? No. Yes. You do? Yeah. Tell me. Lasagna. Yeah? <laughs> Whoa. How did it go? That is a, that's a complex cook. No, I mean, kind of, but it was like it was from a book of like kids' recipes, and I like yeah. went through it, and I was like, "Oh, I love lasagna. I want to make lasagna." Because it also like feels like a thing you're definitely making and constructing. Yeah, you ass- it's more assembled. Like one, it, depending on how much prep, it's mostly just like, what what your ingredients are. You mostly just like sauce and noodles and cheese and sauce and noodles and cheese. It's fun. Yeah, it's good. So it's definitely lasagna. Um, Sarah, yeah. I remember mine because it's related to a traumatic memory. <laughs> oh, please. Not really uh, traumatic. <laughs> if you're comfortable sharing, yes. we would be delighted to hear. Well, it's actually um, kind of appropriate for a Mother's Day story because it's a, actually a cute story about my mom. And it's not really traumatic. Um, oh, okay, but good. When she, she was like baking cookies one time when I was about three, um, she gave me a little bowl with the dry ingredients in it just to like mess yep. around with because I always wanted to help her when she was baking. Yeah, and I sneezed into the bowl. Oh no! <laughs> and my mom like turned around to see what was up, and she just like burst out laughing. And I was like, "Don't laugh at me!" Like so offended and serious as a three year old. And she's like, "This is really funny." And she like took me into the bathroom and was like, "You have to look at yourself in the mirror and laugh at this because it's funny." <laughs> so you sneezed, and it just it pied it, you yeah, in the face. Yeah, my face was. Coated oh. with flour, and and you know, <laughs> in hindsight, funny. I still didn't find it funny at the time because I was a very serious child. But in hindsight, I find it really funny, and I actually really love that story. And it's a very good encapsulation of my mom as a mother too. So happy Mother's happy Day! Happy Mother's, Mother's Day, Day. Mama Half. It's um, it's di- difficult because kids don't love to be laughed at, and they are so often hilarious. <laughs> It's a it's a tricky business to navigate. I'm impressed that you guys remember that. I was. Do you well, think all chefs remember their first cook? Because they said it like everyone knew what their first dish they cooked was. I think Tom well, even said everyone been, remembers. They had been asked ahead of time too. Right. They, yes. Those two for sure. Yeah, that's true. No, it was it, clearly. And I sorry. I, I 
really also want to hear uh, Alex and Megan your first cooking memory. But uh, at the same time, like it's so clear they had been asked because of what happens in LCK right later, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like they have the ingredients ready to go for those chefs. Chris, do you remember the first lawyer you ever assisted? I do. <laughs> oh, you do. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> was but it that traumatic? Was when I was. 21 yeah, not okay. when i was three that's fair uh, i'm Megan. gonna say actually odds are it was probably scrambled eggs for me mm-hmm. oh yeah that's good yeah, yeah. scrambled uh, eggs are Megan. a good good oh. kid challenge but that you can actually get better at over time like yeah. it, it's too it's hard to mess up too traumatically megan what did you sneeze into well, I had a, you know, little play kitchen situation. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. And, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. The first dish we all made was cardboard pizza. Well, well, so I got some real spaghetti <laughs> noodles and I put them in, you know, some water in the, yes. on the, yeah. in the play pan. Wait, real water stove. or play water? It was real water. Real water, real, real pasta. Water, real spaghetti noodles. Wow. Real okay, fire? Probably, probably cold water, right? Yeah. Well, I think it was warm, warmish. Oh. Yeah. You oh. know, not, not, not so that it would burn you. Um, and so I, you know, cooked my noodles and my mom was like, you know, we could, you could help me make real spaghetti on the real stove. And I was like, nope, I'm making dinner. This is what we're having. <laughs> and uh, so I, we plated it up and she's like, you know, I think I'm going to save this for later. <laughs> and so she like very like carefully like put them in the in the fr- in the fridge so with sweet. some plastic wrap over them and we we save them for later. Oh. Yeah. That is sweet. Yeah. I, I love I will not help you on your stupid adult business. <laughs> I'm making my dinner. <laughs> no, I really I really wanted to make it on on my in my own kitchen. Did you have an easy bake oven? No. Did anybody cook with light bulbs? No, no, me neither. I had a friend who did, but I, I definitely we had a play kitchen. My sister and I. Yeah, we um, definitely had a cardboard kitchen at one point, which yeah. I only, I remember more from my the family legend of my dad losing his mind trying to construct it on Christmas Eve in the middle of the night, which is a classic <laughs> parent memory. Is like there's two thousand pieces to this cardboard kitchen that I'm trying to set up, and it's the middle mm. of the night, and I want to go to sleep. Yeah. Um. Well, I was just I was just curious about that because he said it like they all must talk about this all the time and i'm i don't know i wasn't sure all right so let's get into the challenges today so season 18 episode 6 uh Stumptown usa starts out as you guys all know oregon is packed with mushrooms mostly known for morels and golden chanterelles but there are also a lot of hen of the woods american matsukis the horn of plenty the spreading hedgehog the shaggy parasol the purple mimosa the coral teeth the black picoa coastal taipan and the oregon white truffle there are so many great mushrooms available in oregon that you might not have noticed that one of those was a weed strain and one was a venomous Australian snake. Okay, I was like, oh. you could be naming anything right now. You could be na- listing a cocktail menu at this point, and I'd be like, okay. I only made up two of them. I only added two. The rest were real. I would have guessed for sure Shaggy Parasol is not real, but that one is real. Apparently, that's a real edible mushroom. Coast- Coastal like Taipan is the really dangerous Australian snake, so watch out for that. Don't eat a Coastal Taipan. Um not alive. You, make mean, sure it's dead first. Well, yeah. sure, yeah, yeah, definitely don't. They have the longest fangs of any Australian snake at 13 mm. millimeters, and the Ooh, third look at most that fang. <laughs> you know, that sort of feels like you know. You ever hear somebody, usually from Canada, talk about statistics about North America? They're like, "This is the blah blah blah, the most, the biggest, whatever in North America." And you're like, okay. "Not probably not in Canada. It's probably in the U.S." What do you? What's your? No, often it's in Canada. Oh, okay. But, um. No. Well, yeah. So you're saying, wait. So you're saying these are not that impressive fangs? What's your Chris? What is well, your feeling yeah, on the snake? Because I can't tell. I I would say that 
Okay, longest fangs on a snake in Australia. Impressive within the context of Australia, but within the context of all snakes ever, oh. I gotta think Australia might be a smaller pond. Oh, oh. I think of Australia as the as like snake mecca. I think yeah, that's Australia where it's all from. is like <laughs> Australia is. All right, I'm trying to think of the equivalent. Okay, the, the, the light, listeners, the light that just popped up in Kyle's <laughs> eyes. When talking about, he's like, no, no, I will tell you. <laughs> so, like, any snake stats is like saying, like, basketball stats in America. Like, you right. can have, like, oh, yeah, he's a great, like, European League basketball player. But, like, that's a snakes in America. Snakes yeah. in America yeah. are basketball players in Europe. And right. snakes yeah. in Australia well, are you're basketball sa- players You're saying America. that, like, to just um, American snakes don't get paid as well. Okay, so... Th- Ha. All the money is in Australian <laughs> snaking. So, like, no. Australian snakes, like, are the world champion snakes. Yes, yes. I think they, they might be. Okay. I mean, there yeah. are other... This is... Um, when it comes to poisonous snakes, this is, like, so, this, so, Coastal Taipan is the third most toxic venom of any land snake. Oh, wow. Yeah. I Which didn't hear first most. No, but there are still some qualifiers in that. Also, land snake. It was like, now we got to worry... So many more water oh, snakes yeah, I got to There are some sea snakes that are nuts. Um, but, yeah. They're also extremely nervous and alert, and they put up a ferocious defense when surprised or cornered, freezing before hurling their lightweight body toward and inflict several lightning-fast snapping bites. Ah, uh, same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Similar to the edit we got on Avishar this week. <laughs> anyway, those are some great mushrooms and a couple not mushrooms. Um, oh, and also the state of Oregon just decriminalized the kind that you use to make Pink Floyd enjoyable. So this is a very mushroom-heavy state. All right. Right on, baby. As we have uh, also discussed, Portland is sometimes referred to as Stumptown because they had to create an ecological disaster in order to build a city there. And so when people showed up, it was just a town of stumps. And to honor that fun memory, the chefs must all create an ecological disaster in their backs by prepping their meals exclusively bent over on half of a log. Or so short. Yeah, or kneeling. (laughs) That's how short they are that sometimes it's easier to kneel on your low stress pad. Yeah, you got to honor the food. Pray pray to your ingredients. (laughs) I feel so bad for them when they're like, this isn't going to help anything, but it'll make your back hurt. You yeah. won't taste As the difference. It'll person, just hurt your back. It was fun to see how the stumps transformed the space along with the decor yeah, it was to, pretty. to look different. But in terms of the cooking, like I was just stoked for the mushrooms. I didn't yeah. need it to be prepared on a stump. I agree. I agree. Oh, you, my gosh. This one made me so hungry. Oh, yeah. This was yeah. the first one that we could eat most of the things, um, the mushroom yep. challenge. Oh, uh, well, how did you feel, though, about um, them including some better than bullion um, in exchange for... $10,000 from the good it. folks. This is the first product that Tanya and I actually use yes. and love. Better Than Bullion is awesome. We're so into it's it. so good. Yeah. Of the, the $10,000 they gave out, at least 1000 of it's ours. We <laughs> we have contributed. We we are probably one of the top uh, non-chef consumers of non-chicken broth from the Better Than Bullion folks. It's so often yeah. sold out because we buy a lot of it. It's wow. great. We've never used. This household is convinced. <laughs> highly recommend. Oh, yeah. For the yeah, vegetarian no, broth options, the, the yeah. no chicken better than bouillon is excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We use the, the veggie bouillon in place of like chicken stock, beef stock, anything yeah. that we're making, and it always turns out great. They actually they have a no beef stock, too, but it's not not available. It's not stocked often. Oh. Um, we haven't gotten the imposter one. We just get the vegetable yeah. like mm-hmm. kind. And it's the fantastic. no chicken is better than the vegetable kind, in my opinion. Um, okay. Yeah, it's really solid. It's it's changed our soup life. Um, although Megan was, as usual, disappointed that prize was $10,000 and not a lifetime supply of tiny bullion jars. Because I would totally <laughs> take that. 
I'm tired of like driving around to different Whole Foods to figure out who has the no chicken. Oh, <laughs> we just order it direct from the uh, manufacturer. Yeah, sometimes we've done we do that. that. Yeah, but they're sometimes sold out. So or out yeah, of stock well, we gotta like. One. Yeah, I always feel like also if we're ordering something that is inexpensive and extremely heavy and fragile, like I feel guilty if we're not ordering a ton of it. So mm. order uh, yeah. a ton, like it doesn't go bad, does no, it? We, yeah, we have. I think the no. last time we did it, we ordered six of the bullion. That's what I'm saying. We, we contributed a lot to their money for this. Um, yeah. yeah, and so, uh, Hannah also mentioned. Listener Hannah also said, "I thought uh, the better than bullion SpawnCon wasn't too bad because I use the product myself, and also they didn't really focus on it as an ingredient. So it was a very no. ch- they only, apparently they paid the amount to be mentioned, but not forced to be included." Well, but when you have 30 minutes to develop as much flavor as possible in like a mushroom And thing, there's no Campbell's soup stocked. Yeah, exactly. Like you actually don't have time to make your own stock even if you're a chef, mm-hmm. right? And and to really develop that. So I thought, you know, like it was a really clutch pairing. Yeah, it was cool. With a quick fire. I and, love well. the challenge. Like I'm going to, yeah. this is one, this might be end up being like my favorite all around episode of the season because like. I loved it. I love this yeah. challenge. I love them being on stumps. <laughs> yeah. Like, cause love them just a mild annoyance. Over. You love the edit of Don never being at the front of the line for any heat source <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> I like And still being on top. If she was on the bottom, I would not have been pleased with that. But her in the yeah. back of every heat source line was fun. Especially because immunity wasn't up for grabs. Like, I like yeah. chaotic Ooh. quick fires where they still make good food. Yeah. And, yes. like, I think it's. It's a weird thing to like say like yeah your only prep station is this like stump and it's like physically bad but it's also an interesting wrinkle of like you only have a stump you don't have this like wide three yeah, and a half four foot table like you have like it's almost like you have to cook while camping yeah mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. I, on a boat yeah a boat. and yeah. and to to pair that with like a quick fire as opposed to like when they've done like on a boat or camping for an elimination challenge. True. I like them having this wrinkle for a quick fire. I like a chaotic quick fire too. You're right. Yeah. Heard. This so is where I, I like, I to like be that too. Silly. Like it, it's it's the right level of like weird stage not unrealistic hijinks that and the fact that they still got a lot of good impressive dishes out of it is yeah, cool. Where it doesn't matter if you fail. You know, like mm-hmm. best yeah. case, you yeah. win some money, but quick fire. There's it's a it's a no stakes. Also, quick fire. this is like being like a, okay. So roses related to Rose City, not tasty, but mushrooms, very like fresh mushrooms during mushroom season in Oregon is rad. So yeah, got a really cool ingredient to work with. And they had to give something challenged, something challenging to them because cooking with mushrooms. Is not hard to make a delicious mushroom dish. Oh, that's when you such have the a good point. Mushrooms. They needed to make your back hurt because otherwise, this challenge was just too pure joy of like, here's yeah. an amazing ingredient. Please have fun. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. We have we did not have the most fresh mushrooms while we were in Oregon. We've had a few restaurants, but we did have one day where we ran into old friends in a Trader Joe's, and they were like, "Oh, we just got back from mushroom picking. Would you like this whole bag of chanterelles?" And it what? was the most incredible day. Yeah. So just one time, someone just gave us a thousand dollars worth of chanterelles. Probably. I mean, they're not cheap normally, but it was it was awesome. And we Sarah's made a risotto. A moment. Yeah, it was good. It was real <laughs> no, good. I, I love mushrooms. Yeah. And yeah, chanterelles are a real good one. I'm not familiar with hen of the woods, but apparently oh, everybody. Oh, they're so good. No, 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 no. Get your get your butt to a farmer's market. Like get some head in the woods mushrooms. I, like I love that, the name. They're um, fantastic. It's the one that's like a a bunch, and then there's that tiny little guys all over it. 
And, oh, um, okay. Yeah, it's it's really really good. And, I feel like uh, I've had this at a restaurant, but I have not actually made these. Look at that. Yeah. Uh, not again. Not cheap. You know. No, it doesn't look cheap. It also does not look like a hen, if I'm being honest. But well, it's of the woods. Well, <laughs> yeah. I guess when I've been ch- in the woods for a while, I don't look much like myself either. <laughs> Chicken of the sea doesn't look like a hen either. That man. is very like, true. Well, so so even though I am not super familiar with hen of the woods, apparently everybody in this challenge it occurred to them that it could be a fried chicken pun. Chris was first, so I thought it was really clever, and then everyone else was like, "It's a fried chicken of the woods." A um, lot of fried of that mushroom. Um, yep. Unfortunately, Chris, uh, despite being first, his tasted more like bowling alley fried mushrooms. And so, Sidebar, yeah. Chris needs to get eliminated, so I stop getting confused on this. <laughs> fair, <laughs> very fair. Um, oh, very selfish. He, no, yes, no, I, yes. Well, look, I'm going to side with my Chris over there, Chris, anytime. <laughs> get rid of him. We have oh, too many Chris's all on love, my TV. I like Chris. It's he's he's great. It's just whenever I hear Alex talking. Fair, so yeah, funny. yeah. Well, so joining he who shall not be named on the bottom are Nelson, whose crab and chanterelles turn out to be pretty lame, Lord and Byron, Nelson. who makes uh, confit, so but drops yeah. salt like it's confetti. Uh, I think I was both, you guys were reacting so much to poor Nelson that you sorry, missed both those sorry. jokes. It's fine. People at home caught him. Um, yeah. Austin Gabe's chanterelle taco is Maiko fantastic, and Dawn's roasted mushrooms get Tom all wood-fired up, but all those other dishes... You can foie gras about it because Portland Gabriel grabs his 10 G's, my 10 G's, and then says that he's glad to finally win and not just be in the top three all the time as a favor to us to make it easier to let him go later. Yeah, he's been Mr. Mushroom for a while, you know, he on has. the show. He has. And it's great that he really gets to shine. It's something that means so much to him. Uh, by the way, sidebar, yes, uh, but- I love seeing relaxed Tom Colicchio, guest judge. Dude, slouchy uh, Tom all day. Wearing, wearing some flannel. Yep. Just chilling. Like, not Tom not of the really Woods is what much. he was. Oh, it's great. It's like LCK Tom. It was. Know? It was LCK. He got some good, some good looks, some good smirks, some good, you know, chill uncle vibes. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, and yeah. like Padma made a joke and he razzed her about it, even though he's like really into jokes. So it's clear this is a thing they do together. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, he's a fun guy. Yeah. They don't make out, but they do make jokes. Yeah. Make jokes, not out. Well, that doesn't sound as good. <laughs> yeah. um, is there a strong, like, Tom and Padma should make out? No, like, this was last week. This is the thing you missed, which was... Oh, sorry, I missed this on the no, show. No, it's yeah. fine. Um, so, before, when the, in their Zoom call with us at our event in L.A. last week, before the drive-in movie episode played, Tom said on the thing, even though he was in a car with Padma watching a drive-in movie, they did not make out. And he said it in a way that I thought was a little too much protest for something no one was wondering. So now yeah. I'm suspicious. Mm, mm, mm. Um, but uh, they also made a joke about not fogging up your windows. So apparently there was a time where drive-in movie, like their age people, drive-in movie means making out. And I did not, I don't connect that because like there's a whole console between our seats. Anyway. Yeah. Not back then. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. It was no less... airbags, no seatbelts. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no cup holders. You could just lean over. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anything else on the food jump out at you here on these mushrooms? So, I, I like, just yes. want to eat all like, of oh, them. Yeah. Except for the oh. foie gras. Except yeah, for the except wedding for dish. Foie. What the heck? Yeah, he did foie. so good, and he won with it. But like, you get a mushroom. Yeah. He's like, finally a mushroom challenge. Let me put this liver all over it and then as you mentioned none of the comments had anything to do with the foie no no one mentioned the foie no good 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 but apparently he didn't blow it so that's something 
Yeah, my only other comment is that Maria's uh, cabbage wrap, her mushrooms must have been amazing because that looked so cumbersome to eat and the cabbage looked so just raw and un unnice. I will. Yeah, that was funny when Padma was like, so should I eat it like a cabbage wrap? And she's like, well, you could. Yeah, she said it like, she's like, you could, but it'll be messy. And then like, I told you to be messy. She had a weird like aggressiveness. Like, why, why did you and wrap it in a cabbage? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, well, then you gotta adjust this dish, man. This is just a cabbage plate to be eaten with a fork. Or if Padma's yeah. gonna do it, like, no, you shouldn't eat it like that. Actually, I think it's just a cute piece of cabbage. Eat it with your fork. Like, that would also have solved it. Which Tom did. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But also, Padma is a uh, Olympic level food TV eater, and she did it. She, she did. made it look okay. Yeah, let but, it she didn't I spill do anything. A, yeah, yeah. I do have yeah. a question, which is: Has anyone successfully made like a lettuce wrap that you can actually eat without mm. without it being I mean, too messy? Doesn't fall apart. Yeah. At a restaurant, it. I never <laughs> make it at home. Right. Okay. Well, the thing is, as someone who, as we've said, I've worked at PF Chang's. Like, mm-hmm. the thing with lettuce cups is you I aren't using, like, the... a full leaf. You, like, it's chopping it down. Oh, uh, okay. Mm. Yeah. So it is right already, size. like, already, like, kind of cup-shaped. Yeah. Uh, and they are just using, like, iceberg lettuce. They're not using, like, fancier right. lettuce. I don't think you'd want to use, like, bib or right. some other, like, more, like, fancier kind. Ice... Sorry, drinking lots of coffee and ate that big donut. <laughs> <laughs> There is a person-sized donut inside Kyle right now, so he's haunting him. Uh, But, uh, yeah, it's you want, like, the iceberg lettuce because it's firm. It kind of is crunchy a little bit, but then it, like, that's the right level of pliability for a lettuce wrap. Yeah. I've I've been to, like, Vietnamese places where they don't use iceberg. They use, like, a a butter lettuce or a green leaf lettuce or something like that, and those things fall apart. It's delicious, but it falls apart all the time. Yeah. Mm Um, wrappers that did not fall apart, Gabe's taco shell, his tortilla made with um, mushroom better than bouillon. Yeah. That was yeah. cute. Like, a nice little we had Sarah riffing on yogurt. He's riffing on making funky that's, tortillas. That's true. His tortillas with flavors. Although, um, I think there was no yogurt in Sarah's. Well, there's a sauce. Maybe there was yogurt in the schnitzel sauce. <laughs> um, I do like a fried mushroom. I mentioned bowling alleys. Like, even when mushrooms are just bowling alley frozen fried mushroom, I still like a fried mushroom. It's a good vibe. Oh my god, there's a place in Washington, and I always forget what town it's technically in. It's like out towards the mountains. My family would always stop at on the way back from going on hikes. It's called Scott's Dairy Freeze, and they do oh, little yeah. button mushrooms, like deep fried. Mm. I'm obsessed with them to this I like day. It. I like, like it. Very it cheap sounds... mushrooms, but it's so good. Please go to Scott's Dairy Freeze if and you have the, the opportunity <laughs> to. You also get a lot of like you get a fried mushroom sandwich a lot. I've had a bunch of those. The only thing that about a fried mushroom is that if it's a bulky mushroom, sometimes when you bite into it, boiling hot mushroom water shoots out <laughs> all over your face. So that's a concern. That's the thing. Yeah, you really got to get the moisture out of it yeah. before you fry it. Right. Yeah. yeah, I would think. I didn't watch. I didn't pay close enough attention to how they were preparing all these, but um, yeah. Anyway, this looks just so. Even just like gl- gl- glancing through the pictures again, what a delicious looking challenge. This is one of the mm-hmm. few that make me super hungry. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. Any other thoughts on the quick fire before we move on from Mushroom World? No all immunity. Right. I would like more. Oh, yeah, no immunity ever. Good. Yeah. You, sorry. Go. No immunity is good. I just would like more quick fire challenges where they decorate the kitchen. Like I like <laughs> just like they had different lighting and like yeah. they were sort of like cooking and even more in the rounds since like mm-hmm. they had moved like the stumps closer together in a weird, weirder yeah. way. Like, oh right, because before I, it was so huge and spread out, so now they were all just like stumped up together. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I, I would I would like to see them. And I also like it last week when they had the, like, way too many flowers for the rose challenge. Yeah. Yes. Like, just decorating the kitchen would be fun. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, more production design kitchen challenges. Um, before we we're, le- we're leaving the kitchen though today, because before our next elimination challenge, the chefs get a field trip with members of the Confederated Tribes of Umatilla, and they see some traditional fishing methods, not catching methods, fishing methods um, that the tribes uh, won a hard-fought court battle in order to maintain after we ruined the Columbia River with a bunch of dams, which is actually a very cool story. Um, I do like that they all the build up to fishing, and then she's like, "Well, look, there's nothing here now." But <laughs> they had a couple. They had yeah. a couple in a bag when they they showed them walking back up the trail. Good. Okay, I didn't notice that. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still super hard. Um, then the chefs must honor the indigenous people of the area by cooking dishes using the first foods. They call it surf and turf, but since it's a river and a forest, that doesn't really make a ton of sense to me. So I'm just going to call it <laughs> wet meat, dry meat. So they're paired up in a wet meat, dry meat situation. Shoda and Sarah are cooking smelt and rabbit, so they call themselves Team Tiny. Team Tiny. Yeah. Abishar and Chris have venison and sturgeon, which a listener at Leprechaun says should make them Team Virgin. Mm. Venison, sturgeon, Team Virgin, um, which I also like a lot. So I continued the thought process, and we'll be calling Maria and Byron's elk and salmon Teams Elon. Team Elon? I can't really do it. It doesn't sound as good as it looks. Um, Gabriel and Nelson's Trout and Antelope will be Team Trope. And Don and Gabe's Bison and Catfish I'm calling Team Doubtfire because in the movie Mrs. Doubtfire, Robin Williams didn't want to say bye, son, so he had to catfish his family. Oh, my God. I I actually am really into that. That's, that's pretty good. I, we're not laughing because I think our minds are too blown. It's a little stunned, yeah. It's, yeah. Like, it's, it's no, like I, a, a long pause a and then, oh, my jokes. God, is a great response to a joke. I'll take yeah. that all day. <laughs> so the chef's um, wet-dry dishes are all at least good with a mole in every pot and a puree in every driveway, but the cream of duck potato crop are Team Doubtfire, which make the dish the judges wanted uh, to love me tenderloin. But like we always say, whoever smelt it dealt the winning hand because Team Tiny comes up big with their tiny fish 200 ways. And yeah. never was more fun had than by Sarah and Shoda and Tiny Fish. Boy, they loved those fish. Man, Shoda just seems like a good time. He does seem like a good time because immediately he's, he also seems like a kind of good time that I would like hang out with because he likes to gossip. As soon as they got in their BMWs, Shoto was like, who do you think's in charge of each of those other teams? Who's taking the lead? <laughs> he immediately wanted to dish. Well, he, he's, he's a troublemaker, both yeah. like yeah. in action and in opinion. <laughs> yeah, yes. he, he does. He's so fun. Like it was like the third episode when they like someone was talking about how they behave around different people, and like when you want to do like bad kid shit, you do it with Shoda. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's so fun. Also, Sarah like admitted that one of her secret desires has always been to run a bougie micro cannery, and. Afterwards, she said that that was weird, and I was like, yeah, I feel like you're right. A lot of time when people say something's weird, it's not that weird. You're right. That's a weird dream, but I want you to have it. I love it for you. That seems like a responsible dream, though, because it seems like running a micro cannery, it is very bougie. And the good thing about bougie is bougie make money. Yeah, that's how. Yeah, Yeah. in order to be micro, you have (laughs) to be able to charge a lot for these tiny fish. I just paid a lot of money to Fishwife in Southern California for some smoked trout that was very ethically... Harvest. Oh, that's so. so nice. Yeah. Yeah. You spend um, that money. It, and also, like, she doesn't have to work in a restaurant. Like, it, yeah, it, she yeah. gets to be a factory manager instead of a 
chef working 4 p.m. to 2 a.m. Sure. six days yeah. a week. Yeah, yeah. I, I love it for her. I hope she gets that dream. I believe that it could... I mean, considering how long we talked about beans a couple weeks ago, I feel like uh, this podcast alone mm. could keep your tiny cannery going. Mm. Yeah. Also... You guys want to talk about beans? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Y'all heard about beans? <laughs> we still don't have any. Oh. Well, uh, maybe next Rancho week. Gordo. We're convinced they're just... They're just difficult to acquire sometimes. Um, the uh, oh, also, if you can't make enough money on your tiny micro uh, micro cannery, you can also make money on your team tiny T-shirts, which Sarah and Shoto were selling on their Instagram account um, to benefit Aww. a local, uh, a Seattle local environmental charity. Oh, that's wonderful! That was very cool. So, although the shirts say Team Tiny Fish, and I wonder if there was an edit thing where they called it Team Tiny Fish and not just Team Tiny. I think Team Tiny is funnier personally, but yeah. Well, rabbits are kind of tiny too. Yeah, that's what I was yeah, thinking. They, was they were the smallest of the game. The but thing. clearly, they were more about the smelt. They were like, so this is technically rabbit, but we've wrapped it in smelt to show you how much we prefer the smelt to the rabbit. Oh my nah. god, this picture of them in their shirts like having food together is Isn't so sweet. Aww. And there's a dog. I Aww. love it. <laughs> That's great. Um, you know, yeah. But like I I know it's it's kind of we're already at the results phase, but I I feel like we had one of those wonderful Top Chef episodes that really connects the chefs to the ingredients, yes. to the location, to the food. Um, you know, Sarah was getting visibly emotional while, um, you know, speaking, uh, as was Maria, actually, um, while speaking with the, the tribe's people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was getting emotional on, on the couch as well. I thought yeah. it was uh, really great. It was and they, they got some, like, ingredients that were just harvested from like you know yeah by hand when the when the tribe was like these are baskets of potatoes we just picked by hand today oh those duck potatoes they said they hadn't been able to harvest them in like years yeah like decades maybe even yeah so amazing and they love the duck potato puree like it really worked oh thank god this was one of those where i'm like i know everyone's gonna try really hard but it's always such a relief too when it's like yeah a it, it's, it's set up to like honor a people and a culture that gets totally overlooked all the time. Yes. And everyone yeah. does like a beautiful job and means it sincerely. I'm going to start crying too. I cried no, a lot it, during it, this it episode. Was moving. <laughs> it was moving. It was very moving. And, I agree. You know. Well, this is yeah. also like why I said like this is probably going to be end up being like the best top to bottom episode of the season because they did a really good job of coming up with like, oh, they, they gave the tribal elders a chance to like speak for themselves they weren't like yes. saying this for them they like get, let them do it on their own words both in like the like protective and like off authoritative way but also when they were asking like how would you recommend like we serve like maybe a salmon in a dish from the, the land and they're like however you want to just yeah, make it just, taste good just nail yeah. it yeah that's well, all we care since about this is a chef competition we're gonna leave it to you yeah, yeah. like you do that what you want so it was really funny. cute yeah but it, it they didn't they both like were very very respectful of it but also yes. weren't like overly precious and like yes. this is i credit to the tiny elves making me think that they were being very very generous and respectful and like how they like with the the blessing before the meal like yeah, showing yes. it all in a way yes. that like this could this is me talking as a white guy who's not from the northwest does not know anything about this but it felt very respectful and it, it did seem like they were giving them a voice in the episode yeah yeah agreed totally agreed 
Um, just one quick update if you were thinking about buying a Team Tiny Fish t-shirt. Uh, only available it's still in size small. Everything else is sold out. It's a tiny shirt. It's a t- yeah. yeah, it makes it's sense. They probably got more small. I didn't even think of that. You're totally right. Um, uh, let's get back to the wet-dry challenge. Um, oh, everybody was can good. We as we just mentioned. call it wet-dry? Yep, we can. <laughs> no. I think Stop. everything was wet because there was a sauce. But... It was a sauce. It was also a Portland rainy day for big parts of it. Um, it was beautiful. True. The rainbows. Oh my god! Yeah. And even yeah, that's like, where yeah. all the rainbows come from. The yeah. nature. The like. <laughs> oh, um, but even just like the way they showed a different part of the area too, and like I was yes. getting really like homesick with how gray and drizzly it was. Yep, and, me too. I miss oh. the gray drizzle. Um, it's been gray in LA recently, but not drizzly, and it doesn't feel quite right. Um, y'all are suckers. I've been away from the Northwest for years. I don't miss the drizzle. You <laughs> like a drizzle? This is the thing. People, for people who are not from the Northwest, miss a lot. If you watch like a movie that's supposed to take place in Portland and it's raining, uh, it'll be pouring rain. And that's not our rain. Our rain, it's just like somebody is spitting on you a little bit for a year. Yep, and it soaks <laughs> right into your bones. Yes, You're it does cold, get into your bones after a while. But it's like 45 out, so you can't really complain, but you hate but it. But it very and rarely pours. It's it's just like spitting for from September to June. Yeah, well, it's, it's never like, raining enough that you need an umbrella, so you yeah. wear your, your Gore-Tex. Yeah, it's like gorgeous. when you go to a theme park in the middle of the summer, and they have those misting stations yes. that yes. are there to like keep you from overheating. But you it's can't like stop that. it. You can't stop it, and it's not hot out. Right. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's also it's not, like, you don't need it. It's going to one of those in 50 to, like, 40 to 60 degree temperature. Yeah. But in, in all seriousness, like, also because it usually is sort of a, a high overcast mm-hmm. a lot of the year, um, that light is a very particular light, and the, the way the trees and the vegetation sort of pops against that light is, yeah, it's beautiful. is beautiful. And, and I we were the, back, we were so the Cascade Locks, they were is back down on the, the, the gorge, which we mentioned a few weeks ago, as just like yeah. one of the most gorgeous places in the world to almost get hit by a truck. And huh. um, it's just really lovely. And there, there's just like several towns along the way where you can, where there are these beautiful, huge parks right next to the river, and you can see in the background people windsurfing, and yeah, it's really beautiful. Yeah. Really beautiful yeah. area. Um, so everyone did good, but not as good. Team Elon's smoked salmon, uh, smoked salmon if you got salmon, but Team Virgin, uh, grills Herman the Sturgeon and their styles converge in with the precision of a surgeon, but can't quite emerge in the top two. Um, Team Trope. You're going to have to explain Herman the Sturgeon to <laughs> everyone else. Okay, great. <laughs> they did not actually cook Herman the Sturgeon. Herman the Sturgeon is a famous sturgeon that you can visit oh. along the gorge. There's a place where you go see Herman the Sturgeon who's like... 15 feet long and he's in like a 16 foot long pond it's not it's just anyway he's just a famous like 100 year old sturgeon that is near the fisheries that's just like but he's not for fishing he's a friend well uh sturgeon's big though yeah sturgeon's yeah sarah Sarah, sorry sarah Sarah made a face and almost started i was just gonna ask if you think he's happy um you know you from his face uh it kind of looks like it He's got like he's got the like beardy fish bits in this front. The beardy um, fish bit. <laughs> it's not actually just sixteen feet long. It, he's got a like it's like an aquarium. Um, okay, I was concerned he didn't have room to turn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I believe he can turn around. Um, uh, oh my gosh, he's a big sturgeon. Yeah, yeah he's, a very, wow, he's a big boy. I just did a Google image search. Yes, I and... recommend you search out Herman the sturgeon. He's also. Um, he also survived a stabbing, a kidnapping, and a wildfire at one, different <gasps> points in his life. He's, he's lived Liam through a lot. Neeson. <laughs> <laughs> Liam Neeson, the sturgeon. Um, 
He's 11 feet long, um, is how old he actually is. That's still too big. He's too big. (laughs) He's 79 years old, weighs 500 pounds. Um, Yeah, people love Herman. Anyway, I'll put an article about Herman the Surgeon in there. Big boy. Big boy. So the five-foot-long giant monster that was cooked on Top Chef is like, that's that's nothing. That's nothing. It's a baby. Um, Team Trope, to finish out the challenge, Team Trope shows that if you get a knee twisted in the fourth episode, it must go off by the sixth. Their uh, crispy skin with oozy side trout is, without a doubt, the most likely to make you twist and shout. They limp out uh, to Last Chance Kitchens. Last Chance's yeah. Kitchens. So sad. Yeah. I really, you know, I really hate it good. when there's an injury. Yeah. 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 Someone's in pain. Hate, hate an injury. and But, again, to Kyle's point... Everybody cook good food. Yeah. We mm-hmm. love the ones where everybody cooks good food. And I, the one part I don't love about everyone cooks good food is when someone goes home it, like for something good. But because this was good but a little bit oogie, I don't feel as bad about it. At well, least yeah, it, it was oogie. It's, the technique like, was just, yeah. Well, go. there was like it's oozing uh, bitumens out the side, which doesn't sound super pleasant. Well, it doesn't sound super pleasant, but like if you're cooking fish at home, you're oozing oh, albumins okay. out the side. Oh, like, albumins, like, I've vitamins. never successfully cooked salmon without oh, seeing okay. a little bit of little. It white does stuff. not taste bad. It just mm. looks like unappealing. But mm. then you eat it and you're like, I crushed this. I'm a god. <laughs> but like the fact that that is the thing that Tom's like, well, you gotta leave the show because I got those white things that my son could have cooked if he was cooking fish. I still would have ate it, but I would have judged him, and right, I'm going to yeah. judge you like I would my son. Right, and it was not per it was not perfect, and they needed a not perfect to send somebody home because everything was so good. Um, yeah, that's all and that it was is. and uh, like like usual, like like technique trumps uh, like plating choices and when balance. it comes to yeah, like yeah. what will what will get you eliminated because there was yep. a risk for Byron. Maria because there wasn't enough mole flavor, but they cooked yeah. everything correctly and just misbalance the dish in terms of like what flavors everyone I was got. a little bit worried about that edit because Maria had specifically said I want more mole and then Br- Byron mm-hmm. said no take out the mole and then she said she was taking one for the team after they had a long conversation in the car about always being emotionally honest with each other as teammates it felt like they yeah. were setting that one up a little bit but it and is nothing were... compared to the setup of Nelson's knee from two episodes ago yeah yeah, yeah. Like, he, and go he legit Flashing forward to Last Chance Kitchen, it sounded like he legit like sprained his MCL. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which isn't a full tear, but that's a partial tear of a ligament. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know because he said he left for the future of his business and his family. I don't know Uh much with that injury about like what the risk of continuing to play through was, but it's incredibly insanely painful and he needed to get off it. Well, it's because for his job and family, like, if you're a chef, you're standing on your feet all the time. So mm-hmm. a leg injury is like if it becomes a chronic pain or something. Right, that right, right. Advances. He has to. That's be what off I mean. I don't know. Feet. I don't know what the risk of this becoming a chronic injury was if he continued to play through, which is good. I mean, I think this is good that hopefully he will be recover from this fully. Yeah, and they did say sprain, not tear. So yeah. likely yeah. not a surgery well, option. A sprain you know. is a tear. It's just not complete. <laughs> Oh, I did not know that. I didn't know that either. Also, Learning now since we're being finicky, I think the doctor said strain and not sprain. Oh. Um, so anyway, oh. the point is, a strain as, is a sprain, just not a complete one. As a pod, <laughs> at a po- as a podcast of all doctors, we can d- safely say that Nelson is going to be fine. Um, 
But uh, I so there's two main controversies I think about this episode. One is because it was a double elimination challenge. Yep. Gabriel had to go home for something that he did not do wrong. And two, Tom's slouchy hat, good or bad. So those are our main controversies to talk about. So we'll talk about the hat first. Sarah's into it. Chris is not into it. Nope, I'm not. Interesting. I, I think it's uh, 10 years too late. But Yes, it me. is out of date. He's a sure. dad, though. I was, I was He's supposed happy to, to see be. it because I wanted him to keep his head warm. So I guess no. from a practical standpoint, I was in. Yeah, everyone no, was I, cuddled up in blankets. Yeah, almost everybody had blankets over their legs during so all the cold. judging. It was so cold. Yeah. <laughs> it was nice. And you're right. Tom needs to stay warm. And uh, globally, I do favor a laid-back Tom in a hat. Yes. Like, that's... Mm-hmm. Always, I, I always like that over Tom not in a hat. I just don't love this hat. No, Panama Tom is better, but it was too cold for Panama Tom. Well, yeah. <laughs> would you rather he be wearing like a Fisher's toboggan? Like one of those like Oh, yeah. Tight- oh, yeah. Or like one with a little a little ball. A little bobble. <laughs> yeah. I've oh, been to that. definitely. Um, I do think for Tom, because we are, we have to consider he is a bald man. He is a bald man. Yes. And he has a lot of skin on top of the head yeah. to cover. So he's got skin he, in the yep, game. He'd probably want like a more extensive cap. It yeah. still makes him look like makes him look like a dork, but like I, I I appreciate and think it's the responsible sartorial choice. Well oh Alchemy Girl on Twitter definitely was the first one to weigh in with a slouchy hat appreciation tweet. So oh. um I would say a little bit controversial, but generally we lean towards just giving Tom the benefit of the doubt. So back to the other one. So Gabriel, we feel like over the course of the show, maybe he had a bad bad edit. Maybe he deserved it because he did say all those things. But then he definitely went home for something that was not his fault. And when given the option, he did not throw Nelson onto the bus. When given the option to say, hey, my teammate blew it. Why am I going home? He said, oh, yeah, cooking fish on an induction burner is super hard, dude. Anyone would have done that. Yeah. So yeah. probably his best moment of the show, I thought, was giving Nelson like kudos yeah. for doing a good job. Yep. He also, I mean, to the team tiny gossip, like clearly <laughs> thought of himself as the leader of that team. Indeed and he did. Even during the edit, it was I struggled to realize that the salmon or the trout was Nelson's and Nelson's alone. It sure seemed like Gabriel was taking quite a hand and saying you know, oh, that's not good enough. We need to retry this. Or we need to tweak or whatever. And some of the timing elements that caused the cook to be the way it was. Right. <clears throat> pardon me. I think Gabriel had a hand in it, if nothing else. Yeah, well, Gabriel, it, his bad quote of the day was when he said, I'm going to put Nelson behind a station and leave him there. It was like, well, maybe it's not that entirely. That was about his knee. That was, that about, was about his knee. knee. Was, that was actually said, really nice. He I said, thought. I'm going to yeah. put him instead of like, hey, buddy, do you want to stay behind a station? I, I think he was just, I think he was just, I, you know, honestly, I, I mean, watching a lot of this then and like trying to think about it, thinking about like the real like villains we've had in the past. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's I think not. Gabriel is, is just prickly and doesn't have very good people skills. But the fact yeah. that everyone, like even when he left, Maria was like, you're an asshole, but I love you. Like people still liked him. And I think- That was who he was. At yeah. the end of the day, you know, I'd prefer people not be assholes in general. Yeah, that's all course, I was going to say is but... just a little nudge. You could be less of an asshole and people would still love you. Keep that yeah. part. Yeah. Mm. But like, yeah. you know, the fact that everyone else still liked him, I think is is the biggest, yeah. the biggest point in his favor. I feel like mostly yeah. his heart was in the right place, but he just had this way with words where instead of saying, I'm so honored to have won this challenge, he said, I was tired of being second place all the time for my great food. <laughs> like he just <laughs> phrased everything in the most yeah. obnoxious way. And, and, and in, then... in a way that made me think maybe his parents never told him he was good enough. That's all. It's a little bit. Uh, yeah, I feel like maybe he had some critical, harsh parents because he passed that criticism onto himself constantly. Maybe. 
There's also when he gets to Lashin's kitchen, all the th- like at the end of this episode it was like I feel bad for all the things I've like said and implied about him. And then when it got to Lashin's kitchen, he's like, I'm definitely gonna win this. This is only temporary. I'm coming back. This is my destiny. This it's, is meant for me. All like, of those it, quotes. All of it was said, unbu- All of those. If he said it with a tiny smile, I would think is adorable. If he's like, I'm not staying here long, it would be like, what a fun dude. But he said it like it was very important that everyone knows he's a short timer in the losers bracket. And he meant it very much. And then, but this is the part where I, I, don't, I hate to like, I don't want to like overanalyze somebody, psychoanalyze somebody, but it, just the way when he was saying is after he lost the first Last Chance Kitchen, and the way he said like, I didn't focus enough, it was just so intensely self-critical that I was mm-hmm. like, I just want Gabriel to be a little happier. I want someone to tell him he's good yeah. enough and then for him to be happy. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I hope that he gets the chance to like, relax a little bit on the rest of this it's not really a vacation for him because he's from portland but in this right. like time off from work you know and like hanging out with other people and maybe having some time to chill because i'm sure if you're like an intensely self-critical person this type of competition has to raise a lot of so issues hard. for you too and, and make it even harder for a yourself. good point so about him I being he has a massage yeah like, does his nails here. with the uh, with Brittany. It's sad about it. It's a good point about him being from Portland. It's got to be weird because he still has to be in the bubble, I assume. They don't just let him go home. Mm-hmm. So he's just like staying in a hotel in his hometown and not able to leave. That's weird. I don't know. I wouldn't mind that if the hotel was nice like here. It, it does know? seem like it is nice. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, uh, what do you guys think about having a double elimination and then a double quick fo- or double last chance? Like It almost feels like they didn't have to do this. No, you do. For it's like you have the double elimination because you're bringing someone back. So like, there's a net one person leaving this week. Right. Yeah. So it, it, I love it. Like, I think it's great, and I think this is a great challenge to do a double elimination on, especially compared to the other dishes, where like, yeah, Nelson and Gabriel had like a clear mistake that set them apart. But if you look at like what everyone else made, there is. A step up of collaboration on all those dishes that yeah. I think also contributed a lot to why they were successful yeah. and why those teams like won and were safe. Like the other four dishes, I'd say there was something that elevated the wet meat, dry meat combination above like the traditional like steak next to a lobster. But Nelson's and Nelson and Gabriel's was like it was a piece of steelhead on top of a grilled antelope. It actually kind of looked like they were wrestling. Like that's it was that was yeah. how not friendly they were together. It, or cuddling. Yeah. Or yeah. cuddling. Uh, no. And uh, yeah, I I agree that as an audience, based on the episode, it feels like there's justice. I also think that I you know for an LCK like structurally for someone to be coming back into the show the kind of boss level for them at this is, yeah, you got to take on not just one chef, but two recently eliminated chefs. And those are the two most recently eliminated. And therefore in theory, some of the harder chefs to beat. Mm -hmm. So like in order to have that mid season sort of mini boss LCK arc, yeah, put them against two chefs. And, and that sort of, uh, and it also, because somebody's coming back, agreed. Like you're only down one chef at the end of it. I was a little bit, um, worried about the team setup because there's so many people here that feel like they should be in our top four in the end that should be in our top 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 but the two winning teams which made it a little bit easier the two winning uh, the, the two top teams were had um don gabe showed sarah which are probably my top four people my pr- prediction for top four i mean gabriel yeah, i yeah. thought could have been up there but 
he is of those five the person I would be least sad to lose. I assume Shoda and Sarah are the finale with Don and Gabe knocking at the door. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at this list. I'm I'm struggling to see who else. It's some um, combination of those four. I don't know who it but yeah, the I mean, well, so just looking at the way the edits have gone, the way the elves have told us, we feel like, we, I think I said this a couple weeks ago, that the thing with how little we'd heard about Nelson was that we assume that when we hear about it, it's because it's the end. Um, and I feel like Chris and Byron both had like brief mentions on their episodes they did well, but just none of them are getting enough stage time to think yeah. that they're in the finals. Eh? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, like to me, and and this is uh, I see Chris and Byron both and particular well for different reasons I guess um, but I think that either of them are very capable of a mid season blossoming arc where they learn through Top Chef to cook their food. Yeah. Byron is an EMP rule follower guy. Maybe he gets into what he wants to cooking from his heart or whatever. He's an electromagnetic Chris, pulse. Uh, Eleven Madison Park. Oh yes, well he is. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize yeah. that. Eleven Madison yeah, Park's the one that like just su- announced they're che- they're going all vegan. Correct. Which is yep. so interesting. We're not like a general food show enough that we talk about this, but I it's just a fascinating turn of events. It is. It is not the first time a high prestige restaurant has done that, and typically that that phase has been well regarded, but it hasn't lasted that long mm. from a commercial standpoint. Um, it uh, does seem Stone hard. Barnes at Blue Hill Farms did that a while ago, I think. Oh, interesting. They've, they've this seemed like though he was committed. The chef was committed to it for environmental reasons. Yep. So it seems like maybe they're going to go for it, and they've done well enough at getting Michelin stars before that if they could grab another one for a vegan place, that would be pretty impressive. Oh yeah, it would be. I think there's like, only one incredible. one Michelin star to a vegan uh, place, and then several one star vegetarian restaurants, but no one's ever gotten two. Um. Yeah. Well, he's not technically vegan because you're allowed to have milk in your coffee, which is also, ah. I think, hilariously specific that he's like, we're totally vegan, but I do like cream in my coffee. So that's your one exception, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> which is good. Oh. By the way, as like an, as a non-pushy vegetarian, whenever someone is like, well, I couldn't give up this one thing. I'm like, great. Well, then just do that one thing. Why not be a little yeah. better? So I like that a lot, that attitude a lot. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. But, so yeah, he's so from Byron, that place. Yeah. He- he has the pedigree, yeah. you know, I think, and, you know, we got Maria calling him such a rule follower, you know, yeah. he could sort of blossom. That was and in the really same way, Chris yeah. has shown that, like, you know, when he does well, it's when he's cooking from his heart and, and not sort of his French technique, yeah. like, sort of just by the book stuff. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not arguing really that any of these, all these people are incredible, but would you put yeah. any of them in the top four above the top four today? Uh, today, no. But what I'm doing is I'm leaving the door ajar. Okay. You okay. know, I'm saying we've still got a lot more Top Chef to go. I'm still mm-hmm. open for Avishar sneaking in as Ezra's dark horse candidate, especially <laughs> after today where he said he wasn't here to make friends, but then he accidentally did. Oh. <laughs> Avishar? I don't believe that one bit. I think Avishar came into this show like desperately <laughs> dead set on making at least one friend. Well, maybe and, yeah. he got more than he expected then because, boy, yeah. oh, what a likable dude, that Avishar. Like, like a pit bull puppy at a, at a toddler daycare. <laughs> just... It's <laughs> <laughs> not my first choice of puppies, but sure. Um, oh, they're the friendly. Wow, breed oh bias. God. Yeah, I'm a little breed bias. I'm fine with that. All right, anyway, let's get into... We don't have time for that. Let's jump into... Puppies, puppies are pure. There's nothing wrong. Like, chill, Alex. <laughs> okay. No. Yep. LCK. You've done a lot good in this episode, but this ain't it. 
All right, we're going to skip over this part and get to work on the LCK because <laughs> we have so many last chances for people today. Um, oh, my goodness. First up, Gabriel and Jamie. Um, so Nelson goes to take care of his knee for his family, which is good. Gabriel yes. and Jamie must cook with one of the first ingredients they remember preparing for their families, as discussed at the beginning of this episode. Gabriel's filet is min two, and Jamie's fried rice is min one. What? Sorry. Oh, sorry. We're realizing in, in uh, real time that we didn't watch the second episode of this. Oh, okay. Well, it's going to be spoiled for you here in a second. I know. I'm excited to learn here now. Yeah. So uh, Jamie's fried rice beats out Gabriel's filet mignon, and so she's back on the show. But wait, there's more. Yeah. Because of Nelson's, uh, because Nelson is off his feet, Tom is one, short one torture victim for his weird experiments. So the greatest group of stool chefs ever assembled must break off their nice nails uh, and take one more swing in the, I swear, it's your last chance, last chance kitchen. Um, and just like in the Elimination Challenge, everybody does great, uh, even though it seemed like not all of them kept their chef's coats around. Um, yeah. Uh, Kiki was just in a t-shirt, I think. It was great. Roscoe was just in like some sort of button-down. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Roscoe's salad is, or Roscoe's dish is farro from Bado. Kiki's sardines are sardope, and Brittany's pork is the schnitt. Also, so. Gabriel's salad is... Fine, I guess. It's not a salad. And Sasha's <laughs> cavatelli is right up Tom's alley, so she sachets away back into, I guess, back onto Last Chance Kitchen. It's unclear, but she's never yeah. getting back on TV. I no. want to eat this cavatelli. Oh my god, the yeah. cavatelli looks so good. I'm just looking at it, and I want it. It's bad. Those bowls yeah. always kind of annoy me, where it's like you have such a huge bowl, but you only make the food portion a little tiny bit in the middle. But that cavatelli looks rad. Cavatelli, there's a Y'all come to New York. I'll, I'll get you. Some Give me some cavatelli. cavatelli oh, I'll be all about it. Um, but yeah, I liked the, Kiki's uh, dish, like like the way she was feeling about oh, it. Yeah. I thought she did a really yeah. awesome job. Um, but Gabriel's yeah. choice to just make a watermelon salad—I'm sure it was good. But yeah. and I agree. How's that going to win? Too much meat. But yeah, in a in a two way race, maybe. But in a five way pile, you think you're going to win with yeah. a salad? No, no, no. And also, I don't know. This is me being a pedant, but and and wanting Gabriel to be more of a villain than he is. But he's like, yeah, I've done steak. I've done steak. Uh, I haven't done a lot of vegetables. So I'm gonna cook a salad made exclusively of watermelon. It's true. Cucumber, it was so much fruit. Like <laughs> there wasn't a vegetable on it. It was all fruit. It was like figs and tomatoes and all and these feta. things. Feta. Yeah. 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 What are you what are you doing? What are you doing, Boss? my like, dude? Watermelon and feta. I yeah, think... we know that goes well together, but it's not a winning dish on LCK. No, it was like... his third challenge of the evening and yeah. he was tired. Long oh, day for sure. Was, Gabriel looked tired. Yeah. Yeah. No. I don't, I don't know, if you know if are we sure it was the same night? Because like no, Nelson had no. to go to the doctor. Well that's no. true. So the um uh sorry, Jamie versus Gabriel challenge does appear to have been that night. And the oh. reason why I say that is Brittany is yawning in the background yes. all the time. It's and it, clearly like, tired. Looks tired. Well, it's, it's a weird time. That judge's table looked like it was out pretty late because we could we yep. watched the sunset. And then yep. also they showed, I forgot to mention this, before Last Chance Kitchen, Tom sat down in his BMW and drove Nelson and Gabriel back to the uh, Last Chance yeah. Kitchen. And <laughs> as like far as I can tell, they did not yeah. speak in an hour and a half car ride. It was just awkward yeah, time drives. Yeah, I don't drives. think they're allowed to. 
Well, right? then have it's someone like, else drive. What are you putting Tom in there if I can't hang out with no, him? They had to talk. Like, oh, Gabriel yeah. couldn't have been silent with his former boss for an hour-long drive back into Portland. That's so true. No, Maybe they had a no, list of no. approved conversational topics. <laughs> yeah. like, what kind of like superhero a- would you be? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm glad you asked, Gabriel. I've always thought... Yeah, that's very funny. Um, it was a fun, lonely, late-night drive, but um, that made me think that they had to cook that night. Um, yeah. Oh, which, that one. Which reminds but- me... Um, this is a small update, but Jane Number 1 sent us an article last week that was came in just a little too late for the episode. But as you remember, they were cooking, um, the drive-in was in the parking lot of the Expo Center. And we learned from an article that Jay sent us that that was, that actually the kitchens and the set are all in the Expo Center. So they were just, they just went outside for that parking lot challenge. Normally they're just oh. inside that building, which I will also throw that along with our other articles. I'll throw that in the show notes today. Yeah. But um, How do you guys feel about uh, crispy rice versus steak and eggs? Ooh, that crispy rice looked good. Crispy rice looked real good. I guess I'm just hungry right now. <laughs> yeah, that crispy really? rice. No, you, you, it's maybe you could eat some giant donut. Well, the thing about donuts is they don't linger. They're, it's just sugar. That's true. Um, I mean, I thought Gabe, it, I, the anchovy butter was a nice touch. I thought he probably did a really nice job on that. The custard looked good. Um, he seemed like he was doing a fine job. But yeah, that crispy rice looked amazing. The fact that she had 35 minutes and she cooked rice and crisped it up is impressive. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And that looked really good. Like yeah. steak and eggs, I'd normally order like, I don't know, four out of five times. But... Like I think for what they what Tom likes and what Tom wants to see, he's also often going to reward like more work if totally. it's done well. Totally. Yep. Yep. And yeah, like the cav- like I, the cavatelli. Yeah, like the cavatelli for sure. Um, one thing I wanted to say about the crispy rice is that Jamie. Her, her competitor had eggs. I think she did eggs better in her rice That's also than true. Gabriel did on his egg challenge. Yep. So Very true. Very well good point. That was the other thing is he just had one egg and his like dish was supposed to be eggs and he made a steak with one egg next to it. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. also also he made a steak and Tom knows from steak and Tom was critical of his steak technique, so it did mm-hmm. feel like that was going to make it tough. E- even if we've already woken the beast, I don't know if the beast is going to stay in this competition if you make steak in front of Tom wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it does feel kind of odd that they were going. That he was. I guess the setup of this is different. So previously, sometimes they've had like a they clear house on Last Chance Kitchen. So yes. One person goes back, and that's the end of Last Chance Kitchen Part One. And then the new eliminated chef starts a new pool. This time was the first time where they. It seems like they wanted to keep Nelson and Gabriel picking for the next pool. Yeah, I feel like it happened once where we had one of these mid-season three-way playoffs, and the second-place person did stay. The did did stay. Yeah. Okay, well that's clearly what they were position. trying to do here. Um, yeah. I think that happened last season where Nini lost to. Uh, oh gosh. I'm blanking on... This does sound familiar, though. Like, Nini was double eliminated with a chef from season one who was, like, the challenge consultant. Oh, yeah. Oh, Leanne Wong. Leanne. Leanne. I think Leanne made it back during All-Stars, but in a double elimination again, and Nini was the other chef. Nini was second place, and then she became, like, the person in Last Chance Kitchen. Right, yeah. Well, it would have been interesting to see um, him end up there... Uh, Gabriel and Nelson. I, but I can also see why Tom didn't want to just like award it to Gabriel for finishing second out of two. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it is fun. This like seemed genuine. Like Tom seemed like he didn't have much of a plan. He was like, "Yeah, it's just cook leftovers, um, do whatever." And then the chefs were like, "Brittany is the one who said." Um, he was like, "You weren't expecting this, right?" She's like, "No, I just got my nails done." So clearly, they did not <laughs> expect to actually be uh, cooking again, which is fun. But one in five is a tough, tough shot to then have a possibly ten. You have to win ten in a row to get back on. So, but I'm thrilled for Sasha. I really like Sasha, and I'm happy to have her cooking again. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, he didn't win, but it was nice seeing Roscoe make food that was well-regarded. Yeah, like, it's, yeah I mean, I want to watch Roscoe cook more, so I was super happy for him to get a chance. Um, he just uh, seems like it, such a pleasant guy. What a yeah. dude. And the first part, I loved just, like, Roscoe. Like, I could tell Jamie was going to win by Roscoe's reaction to when he's like, where'd you find Lopchong? <laughs> yeah. And then... <laughs> Well, when, that's, like, <laughs> that's exa- that brings me to my main thing, which is please keep the stoolies together. I just love yeah. them so much. Don't send them home. <laughs> I was like, he was stunned at the lobstrong, and then Gabriel came over and got corn. He's like, oh, cool, corn. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah so true. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Man, I And hope- also, it was clear before the episode based on the of Last Chance Kitchen, before the preview for next week's Top Chef, that Jamie was coming back based on the reactions of everyone in the kitchen. Yes, yeah, stunned surprise as opposed to like, oh, oh Gabriel again. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will oh, say, that asshole. Um, Top Chef has a history of, as just a viewer, teaching me various kitchen skills or just mm-hmm. watching chefs do stuff. And as much as the corn was underwhelming, realizing that you could slice corn directly over the middle of a bowl. Oh, yeah. Um, so that it would catch all the kernels instead of onto a cutting board that you then have to scrape off and, oh, it I went just on the wanted, floor. Chris, just like, one slight, a slight addendum, which is it won't catch all the kernels. That's not possible. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Those yeah, things no, go no. rogue. <laughs> you're going to get kernels. You're going to find kernels a month later. I guarantee it. But yeah, it is better with the bowl. Yeah. I'm like, dude, that's, that's great. I'm yeah. going to do that at home. Good technique. So, um, yeah. They also have a history of giving away surprises like that. So, Kyla, did you, were you the one who called? Um, uh, Jamie coming back. Week. Yep. So like they didn't give her an emotional enough edit right. for her being eliminated. Right. For uh, someone that I'm sure I was positive everyone loved. Good point. Y'all yeah, are yeah. great with those meta narratives. I love it. I'm, I love I'm it. Just like my attention span is too. Yeah, short. I didn't notice that either. But I'm glad to see it. And we had somebody also. Um, one of our listeners' husbands called it a couple weeks ago, and I can't remember who that was. But anyway, gl- glad to see all of that come to fruition. Um, before we wrap up, two more quick things. First, from zero to five stumps. How well did this episode showcase Portland? Megan, you want to start us out? Full five stumps. Full five stumps mm. for the first time. Yeah. Mm. Well, as soon as there were stumps in, in the kitchen, I was like, it, nothing, <laughs> yep. it doesn't matter what else happens. You got your stumps? Getting full five stumps. Yeah. Uh, yep. But then it was an amazing episode. Does it not so. bother you that in the same way that Gabriel's salad had no vegetables, that these stumps were not stumps, they were just logs? It didn't bother me. No. Okay. Bothered me a little bit. There's no root structure stumps. attached. Yeah, they were. They, they were, were gonna. Stumps. They were running around the kitchen. You can't trip over roots while you're running well, around the kitchen. Well, fine. Then it's just log challenges. All there's a lot of <laughs> logging in our area. That's why there were stumps. Um. Yeah. There were also a lot of second chances, which I think is pretty true of Portland, in my experience. So, hmm. uh, Sarah and Kyle, how many stumps for this for you? I, that was I, I, I know. I know. <laughs> it's not as bad as the dog thing, but I'm just gonna blow by it. <laughs> Five stumps. Like, yeah. I was. I was leaning towards five stumps, knowing very little about Portland. It felt like a five stump episode, mm-hmm. so I'm glad to have this confirmed by the experts. Yeah, full yep. stumper. Agreed. Agreed. I love it. Great work. All right. So last week uh, we had a mega bag mail bag, which I think overwhelmed people because this week we had many fewer messages, but we still had the one I want to read. Do the rig-a-dig-a-ding-dong 
It's the mailbag. Oh, I love... We went to this before. We used to do all audio. Now we've been doing some videos so we can see each other dance to the mailbag song and Chris to be upset, which is so great. Um... Anyway, you can get in touch with us by sending us email, uh, podcast at readsweeb.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Um, and we got I got a few corrections on people's names, so I'm sorry at Jake MHS that I called you at Joke MHS. I don't think you're a joke, MHS. I think you're a Jake. And obviously, Oh Alchemy Girl is the Twitter handle of a girl from the band Oh Alchemy. I should have known that. Definitely got that wrong. Reading Twitter handles is tough. Um Yes. Fortunately, no correction from at Leprechaun. So apparently that's how he would or she would like that pronounced. But we did get one email that I want to read quickly, which is from Hannah, um, who I've mentioned a few things already. Um, but uh, the main purpose of the email, have you guys watched the show Crazy Delicious on Netflix? We watched one episode, maybe yeah, two. Maybe two. Which one's Crazy Delicious? Um, David Chang. Or no, no sorry. That's Ugly, Ugly Delicious. Ugly Delicious. Delicious. Crazy, crazy Delicious. Delicious. So, uh, there's one season and Carla Hall uh, is a judge. Yes. yes. Um, we have oh. seen Crazy Delicious. It's... I like some things about it. Yeah. What, what does this So Hannah say? says, uh, it's the most bonkers food show I've watched with the most ridiculous sound stage. Um, True. Correct. And I say that as somebody who's watched both of Zumbo's Just Desserts. Basically, three contestants face off in three rounds. One, the magic ingredient. Two, the reinvention, where you reinvent a classic. And three, the feast, where you make a themed feast. That's all pretty straightforward. But all this happens in what looks like Willy Wonka's candy room, where the contestants mm. forage for ingredients. Also, they call the judges the gods, and they dress in white from head to toe. It's a real trip. And they're up in a little balcony, so you have to like ascend to the heavens to like give them your food. <laughs> and oh, the, the judging is really good and like smart on it, but the conceit of the show is like kind of overwhelming to me because it doesn't actually ultimately matter that much to the, the food that is presented. Like, it looks cool. I would right. love to play around on that sound stage, but it's actually a pretty straightforward, like, Food Network-style cooking show. Oh, interesting. So it's really just the production design that's breaking new ground. Yeah, it's like, go run through these little fake trees and, like, maybe a banana will be somewhere. <laughs> well, and also the whole conceit of the show is, like, not all the people. Sometimes there's some people who are culinary professionals, but it's like people, it's like amateur chefs trying to do weird cooking feats. So like the, the mm. main draw too is about like trying to come up with scientific or like outside of the box ways of like preparing things that it's almost nailed it-esque, except like these people are expected to succeed at these like higher level cooking huh. techniques. All right, well, that's fun. I like a weird soundstage. And also the, the Netflix competition show we watched, the other, um, what was that one, where they went around the world? Mm. Anyway, they had their, their judges were also on a god platform the above. The final table. The final yeah, table, yeah. Um, oh, the final table, I liked that drama. I liked some stuff about it. I liked that the judges were on a very tall sound uh, pillar. And they went up a little elevator every time, yeah. like, very slowly, while they had lots of flashing lights. I liked that. I liked that for sure. Although it's weird to say that this is the most bonkers food show. Uh, that Because all, all you're saying in that is that you have not, you never watched the Quibi show where they literally exploded food in front of you and all the judges were drunk. So... Nobody watched Quibi. It wasn't real. I know, but there was, I, I didn't, I, like, there was the one, it was judged by the guy from Kimmy Schmidt, um, and he was apparently drunk the whole time. Um, uh, her roommate, what's his name? Titus Andromedon. Titus. Um, so Titus was the judge, and they took a plate of food, 
put dynamite in it, exploded it, and then the chef came in, looked at the food exploded on the walls, and then tried to recreate the dish use like a crime scene. Anyway, that's mm. the most bonkers premise I've heard for a food show. This is maybe second, but it does sound pretty fun. So thanks for the recommendation, Hannah, and thanks for writing in. Anybody else, you can get in touch in all the platforms. We love to hear from you. We love to include you in the ding song. Um, one last tiny order of business I want to do uh, is I just want to draw everyone's attention Okay, when is this? Sorry, I gotta look. It's a, I'm sorry, it's a screen cap from Crazy Delicious. Oh, wow, wow, that is that some does set. look bonkers. That there yeah. are. Okay, I'll throw this in as well. Lots of good stuff. So all of these links, we mentioned a lot of links this week. So a lot of good links um, in the um, show notes today on PackYourMics.com. Um, but yeah, one article I'm also going to throw up in those links are is a, uh, an article from Gabriel's favorite magazine, Eater.com. Um, this is the Austin Eater article about Austin Gabe. And apparently, after filming of the show, but before it aired, there was uh, he got fired from his restaurant for repeated violations of corporate policies. And um, there's been some other rumors about what that involved, and I am not, uh, I don't, anyway, I don't know what. But I will recommend you look at this article, and just, I'll put this up there, and I say this just so everyone has the chance to protect their hearts, because I think Gabe is doing very well, and he is one, was one of my favorites, and now I just want to, like, yep. if he does, if he continues to do well, we might learn more about him, and it might get sadder. So, protect your hearts about Austin Gabe, everybody, um, and maybe just root for, uh, more for Sarah and Shoda and Dawn at this point. Um. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so that's an article up on Austin Eater. Check it out. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. No. Agreed. I, I think that's a great message to our listeners. And yeah. yeah. Well done. Put that in there. Um. Awesome. All right. And uh. Yeah. That I think that's our last order of business. Is um. Listen, Chris. We were going to have to eliminate you, but because mm-hmm. uh, yeah. as in Sarah. They had a Mother's Day knee-related thing, and so they couldn't yes. be here today. So yes. we're going to let you have one more chance by default. I've been dreaming of this. You can stick around. Um, get your Don't get your nails done, because there's more podcasts for you in the future. Sweet. All right. Uh, thanks for being here, Chris. It's always great chatting with yeah. you. Yep. Uh, Sarah and Kyle, good to see you guys. We love it. Good day. It's always good to hang out with people during the eating the donut phase, but not the 10 minutes later when you're like, wow, we should eat so much donut. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go nap. Yeah, (laughs) well, enjoy your donut nap. Megan, thanks for hanging out. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, happy Mother's Day, everybody. We'll talk to you all next week for another episode of Pack Your Mics. Yay.